So all week long, I've been asking people a question, and I want to see if you uh, can maybe answer it now if, you, if I didn't get a chance to hit you up, and it's simply this. I want you to think about the first thing that comes to your mind. I'm not looking for like your favorite or some advanced answer. First one that comes to mind, but a, a song that has the, the word love in the title. You can sing it now. Let's all sing it together. <laughs> Love will keep us together. All we need is love. I will always love you. Is that the Whitney Houston? What is love? What? Love is a battlefield. What's love got to do with it, Miss Tina Turner? Jesus loves me. Someone's got to play the religious card. That's right. <laughs> Love me tender. So you just hit the winning one. That was the most commonly one-sided. So if you could go ahead. I, I had What About Love, which is by heart. So I used that picture. But the most common answer I got. Now, I, I did ask a bit of an older crowd. I tried to get to some of the younger people. But Love Me Tender was uh, the winner by Elvis, of course. Well, for those of you, may, may Elvis was this very important guy in the, yeah. Um, the other one, I'll be honest, I had no clue about. Love is a many splendored thing. And maybe I must have missed something in there. Um, so there were three different offerings by the Beatles. Uh, love me do, all you need is love and can't buy me love. Um, and then you had a couple from the 80s that got more than one answer. Power of Love, Huey Lewis, What About Love. I'm not going to give you every answer. And I've, I, so yeah, I doubt if you could read that. Um, I will I'll put it on Facebook afterwards. So we, love will keep us together. I, I guess I didn't need to hit, I need to hit the Fuhrer clan. <laughs> Captain into, okay, I didn't even know who sang that one. Um, yeah, we, I mean, we all have a different song that hit our head. So the variety of answers is what surprised me. I, I asked at Sunday school, and I got three new ones that no one else had said. So each one of us probably has a different one that will come to mind. Um, the most recent one is If You Love Her by Megan Trainer, And uh, so we had a few children's songs, like someone immediately said the Barney song, I love you, you love me. Yeah, um... So anyways, I'll, I'll give you the list. Some of you did give the, the worship songs, I love you, Lord, Jesus loves me, and they'll know we are Christians by our love. But I found it interesting, just the variety of answers on this. And that the point that actually leads me to is simply this. We sing about love a lot, right? That's, that's only the ones with love in the title, but how many songs effectively are about love of some sort. And our passage today is the, the very clear command that comes out of it is love one another. That's the emphasis that, that has. In fact, it's bracketing our passage. The, the first verse and the, the last verse of the text we read, Jesus says, love one another. And, and actually, that fits a previous command he'd given back in John 13, where Jesus specifically, very clearly says, a new command I give you, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. 
And the question I want us to think about as I introduce our little love song exercise is, is are we singing about the same thing Jesus is talking about? Right? Is, is that like when we're singing all these love songs, are we, is that about the same thing that Jesus is trying to communicate here? And what I would suggest is maybe not so much. So what I want to do today in this time is I want to look at this command, love one another from seven different angles. Some of my messages sort of build up, like I, I lead from one point to the next. This one's not quite so much because we're going to look at it from one angle and then look at it from a different angle. And it's more like going around a circle. It's trying to gain an understanding of what this is really saying when it says love one another. Because it's not controversial in the world to say we should love people, right? All we need is love. You know, all the words we sing about love are, you know, we talk about it a lot, a lot but do we come close to doing what Jesus is talking about? That's why I want to try to understand what is this getting at? Because the final prayer that Jesus gives after this whole time, so from John 13, it's the, the actually it's what we just did here, it's the Last Supper, it's John 13, all the way to John 17 where he finally gets to the Garden of Gethsemane where he knows he's going to be arrested. It's this long conversation. He ends that conversation as part of his prayer and, and he prays to God that the love with, with which you, he's praying to his father, which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. So Jesus is praying to the Father that his love would be in us as his followers. So it's kind of a big deal for Jesus. So let's try to think this. But before we get to those seven angles, we got to start at point zero and get to the word itself. Because we use the English word love to mean way too many things. Right? We... We could talk about love, I, I love chocolate, I love this, you know. And, and so Greek actually has three, maybe even four words that, that are, are aimed at the word love. And I think it's helpful to see the distinctions because, again, we use, we use the word love for a lot of stuff. So one word for love in Greek, the, in fact, the main one in this passage is, is called agape. And I bet if you've been around church world a while, you've heard some pastor do these same definitions. I, I know it, it's a little, but it, it's helpful to see it. So agape, you could just call that as love within a family. It's when it talks about God loves us, it uses this word, God's love for people. Um, but you could also say a parent loving his child. Um, it, it, it's closest to what we mean love in, in a normal sense. Love within a family. The second word that, that's for love is phileo. And that has to do with loving someone as a friend. Lo loving friendship love. In fact, philos means friend. That comes in our passage as well. So we have the love that, that's with someone we're, you know, a friendship. And then the third word, one that does not show up in the Bible at all, um, is eros. Um, but it is a word in Greek. That, that is used, and it, it means romantic love. Think the word erotic. So eros, I think, is the same as Cupid um, in, in the Greek thinking. So, uh, so it's romantic love. 
Now, and then there's a fourth word that's not translated love, but translated grace. But oftentimes when it talks about God's love for us, that's expressed by his grace that he gives to us even though we don't deserve it. So, and that's the word charis, charis. So, generally, I think when the word is being used in these, all these songs that we listed, so often what they really mean is the word eros. It's talking about man and woman, um, and it could mean, you know, love for, in our, our usage often means we want to have it. I love it. I want it. Be mine. Um, I want to have you. There, there's a song from the 80s called Come On, a- Come on Eileen. It doesn't use the word love, but it, it's talking about, it's basically a man trying to seduce a woman. He wants to have her, and he's saying, come on, Eileen, right? Come on. At, and it, here's the line that always catches me. At this moment, you mean everything. At this moment. Right now, I want you, you know, is really what it's saying. You feel such a strong desire that's sometimes what we mean by love. That is not at all what it says when God agapes this world. It's talking about. So understand the word usage. And in this passage, it's using mainly agape, though the word phileo shows up but more in terms of translated as friend. So the first angle I want to talk about is, is love, love one another as a response of Christ's love for us. Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you. He had loved, and and thinking literally that the disciples he's talking to, says he had loved them, he gave to them, he spent time with them, he protected them. He invited them to follow him, to know him, to be with him. And back in verse 9, he says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. And then he says in verse 10, so this is from last week, he says, to respond to that love, follow my teachings. If you follow my word, then, then that shows that you love me, that you're responding to me. Um, in, in a letter that John wrote, writes, the same John who's writing the gospel, he says, we love because he first loved us. Our love for God and for people is a response to God's first loving us. And God, out of his love, sent Christ, his son, to reconnect people. Um, he initiated his love. God, we sang the song, for God so loved the world that he gave us, his one and only son to save us. God initiated, and now we respond. What, how do we respond? We love him back, but we also show that love by loving the people around us. We love one another. Second angle I want to think about it says, love one another. And he's specifically talking about the group of disciples that, that are in the room with him. Back in John 13, he's saying, I'm going away, right? I'm going back to the Father. And, you know, we know he's with us now by his spirit. But he says, you need to love one another because I, I won't be with you physically anymore. So love one another. It's the disciples. And so, what I, I see Jesus le- wanting to do, God wanting to do, is he's, he wants to build a community of disciples that are drawn together and love one another within that, that community, what we call a church congregation. We have gathered here. We gather to worship God and to be the body of Christ 
you know, in this world. But part of the calling to do that is we must love one another. You can't love one another if you're not engaged in knowing each other, relating to one another. We don't just come to church, hear a message, and go away again. You, you could watch that on YouTube if that's all you needed. If all you needed was information to hit your brain, you know, there's a whole lot of other ways God could just say, read this. But instead, he calls us into a worshiping community where we're learning to, to love God and love one another. And we've got to put that into practice. Has God led you into relationships with other believers where you know them and they know you? Where you serve them and maybe at times they serve you? Where you, you hear their heart struggles? Where you, you learn about what, what they're going through? Maybe you offer encouragement and support and maybe at other times you get encouraged and supported. He wants to build a community of disciples who are learning together how to love one another. That's what we're about here at East Glenville. So the second angle is loving one another within the body of Christ. But the third angle goes a different way. It's learning to extend that love outward beyond our circle of friends and family, right? Because it's, it, you could get, get trapped in just loving those within your little circle. You know, you create a circle, you feel comfortable there, and, well, that, that's enough. And, and here's what's interesting. If you look in John's gospel when it talks about loving others, it is focused inward, loving one another. But then if you look at the other gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and I'll quote from Luke, Jesus gives a clear instruction that that love has to go further. In, in Luke 6.32, Jesus says, if you love those who love you back, what benefit is that to you? What, what reward should you get for that, right? For even sinners love them, love those who love them back. If all you're doing is loving the people who love you back, God is not impressed. If you want to be like God, if you really want to show you're one of God's people, you have to learn to love those who are not nice to you. Love those who are harder to love. Love those who may not love you back easily. In fact, Jesus says, you know what? If someone curses you, bless them in return. He even goes on to say, love your enemies. We're called to love those outside of the circle of our friends and family. And I think John, in some ways, is saying it's within the circle of disciples, that we, we learn to begin to make love part of our life. And then Luke and Matthew and the rest are, are emphasizing, but we, we don't keep it there. That love has to go outward. So that's the third angle. The fourth angle I want to hit at from this passage is, is where it goes in verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, than he laid down his life for his friends. The greater love of putting another's interests ahead of, our, ahead of our own, right? The pop culture love that's talking about, it's, you know, at this moment, I want to have you. Do what I tell you. I, you know, it's, it's about the feelings and desires we have being met. We, we love them, so we want them, and we want them to love us in return. In, in Jesus' formulation, the greater love is when we, we actually 
put them ahead of ourself. Um, in Philippians 2, it's a, it's a passage I'd encourage you to, to, to look at it closely. It talks about how, let me just read this whole little passage. Philippians 2. And it's talking about how if, we, if we've experienced God's love, how should that affect us? It says, so if there is any, any encouragement in Christ, if any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection or sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility can count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. God's love for us should spur us to not just be, you know, focused on ourselves and our own needs, but learning to see the needs of those he's put around us. Whether it's people close in, family and friends, or needs brought more broadly. Consider um, the interests of others ahead of your own. And of course, Jesus came to do that very thing, right? He, he didn't need to, to die for his own sins. So what would he do? The greater love of no one than this, that he laid down his life. He came to give his life on behalf of you and me. Not when we had it together. Not when we were, had our lives looking good for God. He did it when we were his enemies, when we were sinners. Romans 5 says, perhaps for a good, good person, someone might dare to die. But God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's the attitude he's calling us into. And so he says, you are my friends. Greater love is no one than this than he laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends. He laid down his life for you. What a friend we have in Jesus. It's hymn number 435 in the hymnal at my previous church. I don't know. That's an older hymn, but I still remember the number we sang that one so often. What a friend we have in Jesus. Someone who laid down his life for, for us. The fifth angle is as we go through this passage, Jesus shifts from agape to the other word, phileo or just philoi, friends. It says, I no longer do I call you servants. Instead, I now call you friends. Now, there's something curious about that. It means it's saying they didn't start off as friends. When Jesus went to, to meet the disciples and started calling them, and, you know, they were fishermen, they were doing other things. He didn't say, hey, guys, I, I, really, need, I really need some buddies, right? Would you come hang out with me? We'll go, we'll go bowling and, you know, watch movies. And no, he came as their Lord, says, follow me. Learn from me. I will be your teacher. You will be my disciple. You know, in other words, they, they started off as servants. And they would never have thought to said, I'm a friend of Jesus. He's, he's my Lord. He's my teacher. He's my, he's my rabbi. Right? He's the one I follow. But what happened over time? Right? Now, instead now, I call you friends. I think this is one of the distinctions between agape and phileo. Agape, God kind of gives away. He, he loves us. 
and it could be one-sided. But friendship love is inherently mutual, right? It has to go back and forth. It's, if, if, if it's a one-sided friendship, it's not a friendship. It's paris, par, being a parasite, right? If, if, if you receive and never give back, that's not friendship. And so Jesus is acknowledging uh, you're not just my servants, right? You're my friends. You've followed me. You've learned, you've learned from me. And now I'm treating you as friends. And he goes on to talk about how, how the things I've learned from the Father, I've made known to you. I've included you in, in, the, um, in what we're doing. And so he, he does say, it, you're my friends if you do what I command. There's still a difference, right? We don't say that to, you know, I don't say to another friend of mine, you are my friend if you do what I tell you, you know. We don't say that because we're not the Lord. You know, we, we build friendships by doing things together, by participating together. Jesus says, part of how you get to know me is by learning my word and, and learning to put it into practice. That's how you actually get to know and build that friendship. Um, but it is a real friendship. And he chose to be our friend. He chose to, to come into our lives. And... I love that aspect, that I am a friend of the Savior. He's included me. He wanted me. He chose me to, to be with him. And then, then it goes on. You see, friendship is, is really built as we join the work of the kingdom, right? He says, I, I chose you because we're going to go bear fruit. You're, you're going to bear fruit with your lives. You're going to make a difference with your lives. You may have started with, with as servants, but now you're my friends, and I've revealed to you what the Father's doing, and I chose you as, and initiated this relationship as part of God's, God's plan, um, that you would join me in the work of the kingdom, the work of the Father. I think that's when we really start to experience Jesus, the friendship with our Lord, is when we are in the battle with him, that we've said yes to him. And, and the word in this that has, has helped me see it um, is the word philoi that's, that's translated friends. And I, it changed the way I look at this passage when I was listening to an online history of Alexander the Great. And I found out something. So Alexander the Great, he was this Macedonian Greek general who conquered, you may know, he conquered, like, took out the Persian Empire. And, and key with him was all his, um, his Macedonian generals, his, his, off, his, his officer corps, right? They, they were guys who traveled with him. Um, they left Macedon and Greece, and they came over to the, the Near East, and they, they just never, they never lost a battle. And they were in the battle with him. And that, that core of his officers, he said, you, Alexander Great called them his philoi, his friends. Same word Jesus uses here. You are my philoi because you've joined me in the battle. Together, we are on this, this mission from God to extend God's kingdom, to, 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 see, to see God's God's name be honored within our, our, our land, to see more and more people join in this, this kingdom work, to, to, to join in God's love, to know God's love, that no one would be left out. That's the mission that we've joined in upon. Um, just to make one quick pitch is, is 
I love being a part of seeing God's kingdom work in different areas. And so that's why I wanted to see if we can pull off a mission trip this summer. And I have uh, friends, missionary friends, who are in the Czech Republic, and they could use some help teaching English to middle school kids. And um, it's a week. And so I want to go, and I want to see if I can drag some of you with me. So if you are at all, if God's Spirit says anything to you, it's one week, right? We can, we can go, um, go work. We're just, we're going to meet in that missions hall. Um, and I want to do it because I think participating in the work of the kingdom is so cool. And here's the great thing about teaching English. Any of you could do it. Do you speak English? You could, you could do this work. Like that's the main thing. Um, all right. So that's the sixth angle. Friendship with Christ is built as we join the work of the kingdom. The seventh angle God is inviting people into an orbit of love centered in the trinities. It, it, okay, so, so this last point, I want to go deep. I mean, deep. Like, I, we're going to, I'm not sure if I can adequately explain what's in my head on this one. So if I lose you, don't stress out about it. Um, I'm getting a lot of this from, from a, a Tim Keller's Reason for God book. I'm, I'll recommend you read that if, if, if this doesn't make sense. But, but there's, there's something that, not just in this passage, but throughout this whole discourse in John, over and over, Jesus will say, well, the Father has loved me. And then at one point he says, and um, he, he says, you know, everyone, the, that the world may know that I love the Father. So, so the Father loves Jesus, Jesus loves God, um, and then the Holy Spirit, it says the Holy Spirit brings honor to the Son, and the Son brings honor to the Holy Spirit, and the Son brings honor to the Father. There's this, this thing about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Each one of them seem to be vying to, to lift up the other member of the Trinity. So, so the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, they're all preferring one another to their own self-interest. Now, this is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all together God. So within the Godhead, there is this relationship where they are all loving one another. And so Keller talks about how this explains this idea that God is love. It's, it's not just that God is loving. He's loving towards the, what he's created. He is. But even before God created anything that he could love, God is love. He still was love, even before there was anything to love, because love is inherent within the Trinitarian picture of God. Deep. I told you. Right? So, so the point being um, is that, that God now wants to extend that circle, that, that orbit, that he, you know, Father, Son, and Spirit all love one another, and he wants to bring us into it. And in Christ, he sent Jesus to extend that love outward and invite human beings to join in that kind of love relationship. But the problem is, we are inherently self-focused. And Keller uses this picture of planets, of moons and stars, the gravity. You see, he pictures God's love, you know, like them all rotating around each other because they all prefer one another. But what our tendency is, we, we want to be a planet and have other people around us be moons. 
that orbit us, that, that are, um, you know, that they put our needs ahead of their own, right? That give us the attention. Hey, look at me, right? We, we want to be able to go to things and say, mine, mine, mine. And sometimes we treat people that way, mine, mine. That's what human nature tends toward. We don't have to be taught, taught it. We can easily give way to it, right? Do we not see that happening in the world? Putin right now, Ukraine belongs to me. It's mine. I will take it. And we want everything to orbit us, us to be at the center, the gravitational center of our life. And the problem is that leads to destruction. That leads to emptiness, loneliness, death, and everything. Even when we are doing loving things towards others, sometimes we do it or we say we love others because we really want them to love us back. Right? We're, we're looking for everything to center around us because there's a gaping maw of need at the core of every one of us and nothing in this world can satisfy it. But there is one who can. God's love can satisfy that gaping maw, that greater love that was willing to go to the cross on our behalf that was willing to lay down his life, he can, he can speak his love into our life and he can call us out of the trap of making ourselves the center, the gravitational center of our own world. And, and what, what has to happen, we have to learn to love something that is beyond us. We have to, we have, to have something worthy enough of that love. Nothing in this world could do it. And that's why we have to, first and foremost, we have to turn to God. Only our God, only Jesus is worthy of that love. And that can pull us out of the gravitational center that we tend to go towards. And when we realize God's amazing love for us and we see it on the cross, that amazing display of the truth that God loves us. It's not just a warm feeling. It's agape love. It's self-sacrificial beyond anything we can grasp. And when we grasp it, we feel it. We become convinced of it. We no longer need to feed the emptiness of our own hearts. We are then set free to not have to rotate around ourselves, but to prefer others, to love others, to love God. We, we can put something else at our center we begin to rotate around God's love, God's power, God. God. Um, we, can, we can love others. We could do something for someone else without demanding that they give back. We can assert that freely we have received, so freely we can give. That's what God is working towards for each person out there. I want to close, so I did the seven angles. I want to close with how does the church fit into this? And I think the church has three roles that, that come about with, with love one another and God's love. And so the first one is the church is the academy. It's, it's a, a, the place where we learn to love something other than ourselves, Right? We learn to... to start working out God's love as we practice together. God calls us into a relationship with one another, and we, we learn to practice the idea of giving without demanding in return. We learn to listen more than we talk. We learn to care about other people's problems. We learn to be friends with people who are different from us and not judge them. 
The church is the academy for God's love, for how to love one another. The church is also the showcase that um, we, we, we build a community centered in Jesus Christ. Jesus says, you know, love one another by this. All men will know you are my disciples by whether you love one another. We are called to live differently within the church than, than the way the world operates. And so we're called to be a, a different kind of community where we do, do showcase God's love. It's not like we're putting ourselves on display. It's God doing that. And I could, I could suggest that, that the world is watching more what we, we do and how we treat each other more than what we say and teach. And when we don't treat each other with love and grace, they see it. And they say, well, that's, that's no different than any, any other group I'm in. But when it works, when God pulls together people of different backgrounds, different perspectives, different political viewpoints, different personality types, different races, when he can pull them all together and they can all actually interact and love one another, it brings glory to God. It brings glory to Jesus. May that be the goal we have, brothers and sisters. It's hard. It's why I did that whole thing on peacemakers thing back from the fall. Because we so easily get into the patterns. It's hard. But when, when God is doing it in us, it, it, it's glorious. And then the last part is, so the church is the academy, the showcase, and the church is the launch pad. It, it's not enough to keep God's love bottled up in, in, our, in this building. We're called to extend that love outward, to be a part of the mission. Um, as, as we become friends with Jesus, we're, we're sharing in the work of the kingdom and, and engaging that love and taking it to people out there. We're working to reach out to people to, to, to meet their needs and care for them because we've been changed by Jesus. Freely we have received, we can freely give. So that's, that's my take on love one another. And it's, Jesus is preparing his disciples to do that, to be ready to do that. That's the calling we have. And I just have, simply have one question. Are you in? Are you in? Let's pray. Father, we want to learn to love you, in return, we want to learn to love one another in the same way that you've loved us. Lord, we recognize that there's, there's a part within us that's going to fight that, that, that part of self-love that we all have. And, and Father, we just ask that you would lead us to, to learn how to love others, to care for, the, care for those who, who are left out, to, to, to extend that love to people who are hurting in need. Lord, give us grace that we might in turn extend that grace to those around us. Empower us by the Holy Spirit to do so. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing our closing song of God's great goodness and his great loving kindness to us.